Leadership is the art of giving people a platform for spreading ideas that work. Welcome to DC Local Leaders, the podcast where we talk to C-suite leaders within the DC area. Our guests share their pathways to success and the important moments that impacted their careers. Lean in as we get the inside scoop on how they are shaping their industries, how they lead, manage, and connect with others. From the sectors of aerospace, defense, tech, IT, and more, this is Local Leaders. Your host has been making meaningful connections with industry leaders for over 15 years. Here's Philip Nathram. Welcome back to the DC Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Nathram, and thank you so much for spending some time with us today. If it's your first time here, we share messages of leadership development, mindset, personal growth, human performance, fear, ego, how to deal with those human attributes, those things that affect us on a daily basis. We go find those messages from executive leaders, C-suite leaders, high performers. We bring you those messages so that we can all learn together. These are actual real human beings that you can connect with and make a mentor out of. So we're excited to have you on board. Please remember to subscribe wherever you happen to be listening so you don't miss any of these great messages. Come find me on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram. We're also now on YouTube. Our motto is to continue getting 1% better one day at a time. We're onboarding sponsors. We're leveling up our production quality. We're building out that YouTube page and we're excited to have you on board. Please remember to come find us, subscribe, make sure you hit the notifications. Don't miss out on any of the messages. Things are changing and we want you on board. Today's episode is sponsored by PenFed. They've got great rates for everyone. For more than 85 years, PenFed Credit Union has offered great rates on loans, checking, and savings, serving our military and local communities. PenFed is open to everyone. Helping their members save is how they grow. Go to PenFed.org to see how you can save more with their best-in-class rates, products, and services. PenFed. They've got great rates for everyone. This episode is sponsored by Leashes of Valor. One leash saves two lives. Leashes of Valor is working hard to bring service dogs and post-9-11 veterans together in order to enrich both lives. They're a nonprofit founded by veterans right here in Northern Virginia. Check out their website, leashesofvalor.org. There you'll find warrior stories, opportunities to donate. You can shop their merchandise, which all goes to supporting their cause. We're excited to have their support and to support them in everything that they do. Check out leashesofvalor.org. Today's episode is with Omar Dennis, former United States Marine and now CEO and president of Sedulous. Omar and I chat today about his leadership and what he's learned over his years of experience from going through a traumatizing experience early on in his Marine career and using that as an opportunity to lean into fear, learn new skills. He just talks a lot about self-reflection, self-awareness, and that discipline that he's had to build to overcome challenges and what he's been able to do to share that message with everyone that he's encountered, whether it's been on his team, someone that he coaches, and now as leader of Sedulous. So we just have a fantastic conversation. He grew up in Baltimore in the 70s and early 80s. So we talk a little bit about how that upbringing has shaped his perception and what he thought was possible for him and what he's actually been able to accomplish and how much he wants to share that message with other people around him. So great person to get to know, great entrepreneur to learn from if you're looking to start your own business or if you're just looking for a mentor. So. Let's get into the episode. All right. Well, Omar Dennis, Sedulous, thank you so much for being here, joining us on the DC Local Leaders Podcast. I'm really excited to learn all about uh, your experience and just how you grew up, how you got to where you are. You've got a great story. I've heard little bits and pieces, and I can't wait to share it with everyone here listening. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. So we're down here in your office in Sedulous. And um, what what does this word mean? What is this name? So sedulous is a Latin term 
um, with several definitions, but each definition leads toward determination mm. and an inability to quit, mm. perseverance, right? Um, assiduousness. So it's something where, whereas I needed a word to define my spirit, mm. and my spirit comes from a place of no matter what. If I think I could get it done, I'm going to get it done. Were you always like that? I was not. No. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, well, that's that's the start of the story right <laughs> exactly. there. Exactly. I mean, I was going to dig into. I, I I happen to have background about you about your military experience, but yes, I want to start there. What were you like? Wh- when did that happen? When did that shift happen? And what were you like before that? So I had an, an epiphany about four years into my Marine Corps career. How old were you then? I was 22. And this was in 1992. All right. So did you enlist or you go to college? You I, I, enlisted. I enlisted. I, I was enlisted. Um, and it was a physical trauma that happened to me that made me deal with mental traumas. Mm-hmm. And more, more explicitly, I lost my right index finger, as you can see, in, in an accident. Okay. My fourth year in the Marine Corps. And this was during peacetime. Right. Okay. Training accident or <laughs> a training accident. Okay. And um, it forced me to evaluate my will to keep going mm. because I was given explicit choices by the Marine Corps that you can either end your enlistment and we can help you deal with your physical dis- disability and give you some mental counseling mm-hmm. for the rest of, of your life on us. Or you can attempt to remain in the Marine Corps and be held to every standard that we have with that missing finger. Yeah. Despite what you had. Yes, sir. And I chose the latter. You chose the second. I chose the latter. Did you, was there any discussion in that or did you automatically know that this is what I wanted to do? Like you have mentors. Who did you talk to? No. So I I had, at the time I had no, no, um, no external mentors. Mm. Um, I had a lot of internal conversation and with yourself, with myself and, the Omar inside of me pulled me out of it. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what did that conversation sound like? What were you talking to yourself about? So um, if, if I could remember accurately, I know for a fact, I kept asking myself, do I want to go back to where I came from? Where'd you go? And that, that, that was a physical and it was a mental question, right? Yeah. I was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. Um, in the seventies, I grew up in, in the ghettos and slums. Mm-hmm. Um, I was getting into a lot of trouble because, um, School wasn't cool. <laughs> Everything other than school was cool. Right. Um, and I actually joined the Marine Corps to escape that. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, do you come from a military family or why was that your option? Why the I, Marines specifically? Because you could have done mm-hmm. Air Force, Army, mm-hmm. Coast Guard. <laughs> this is a funny answer. I loved the G.I. Joe as a kid. They were a they combination were, oh. of every branch of service. Oh, were they? Okay. Yes. I feel and, like I didn't know that. Yes. Did, how did I not know that? I'm teaching you something, yeah. Philip. So G.I. Joe was a squadron of every branch of service, including federal special ops. And in my perception, the coolest character name was Leatherneck. And Leatherneck was a United States Marine. Okay. And that's what I wanted to be. And that's what you wanted to be. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I, I didn't, um, I wanted, I talk about this with a couple different people that I have in my circle now, and I'm, I'm glad you're part of it. Yes, uh, sir. I'm very grateful for where I am and how I'm able to be of service to my, to 
everyone around me, my fellows, especially, you know, transitioning military folks. But I feel disappointed in myself a little bit that I didn't uh, just go mm-hmm. to the Navy when I wanted to. Right. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Prince George's County, Maryland, which Annapolis is close by. Yes, sir. I remember visiting uh, the campus and we would just spend t- It's not it's not hard to think that you would spend time with your parents on a weekend or have a reason to go to Annapolis. And you can't go to Annapolis without passing over the Severn River Bridge and seeing the Naval Academy. And it was, it, you know, it was what I, I just wanted to do that. Even as a teenager, I was very like, well, something I wanted to do. And my parents didn't want me to go. And at the time that was very big. And I, I never put it together that I'm going to turn 18 and there's nothing they could do about it. But even then I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to disappoint them or make them upset. That was like a real, like I felt like it was my job to not make them upset. That was something I had to grow out of and learn yeah, to. And it's natural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's, um, you looking back on it, I wish I would have gone. And that's why I always ask people like, how did you decide, you know, what branch and how did you know you wanted to go? Some people come mm-hmm. from military families, but it sounds like you didn't. I did not. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like growing up for you in Baltimore? Like, were you playing sports? Did you have brothers and sisters? Like, no, so I, I grew up in a, um, in a large household. I have eight siblings. So I'm, I am one of nine. I, oh, wow. uh, I am almost in the middle, but okay. I am fourth from the bottom as far as age is concerned. Okay. Um, so there was a lot of, uh, a lot of fighting and fussing. Yeah. To say the least, yeah. there, there was a lot of standing up for yourself. Because you might get lost in the, you know, in the cloud of raising kids. Um, I so I felt I found refuge being out outside. And when you're growing up in the ghetto, when you're growing up in the slums, being outside is not necessarily a good thing because that's where everything happens. How much of the wire was accurate? I know that's a, I don't know <laughs> no, no, why no, no, that's what I'm though. thinking about. One hundred and twenty percent. Really? Yes. And and I mean it. They had um, actual what are, what do you call consultants or. People that were behind the scenes yeah. telling these guys and girls exactly how to act. And it was 120% accurate. And since you brought it up, I've spent the majority of my adult life convincing people that that character was not based on me. Huh. Since I'm Omar from Baltimore City, right, Maryland. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, I know. I, <laughs> you I get feel it? like I did, that popped into my mind and I don't know. I, would, I just turned it off. Like I was like, well, that's no, too obvious. It, no, it was it's too much. It was fun out. when it was a popular television show. When it was show, on HBO, right. it was probably like you were the coolest guy. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. Um, he passed away recently. He did, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So you decided, did you have much interaction with your parents when you were younger? So I did, but no meaningful interaction. And I can say that confidently now. Yeah. Um, they were not in the business of mentoring. They were not in the business of sculpting, you know, cultivating, nurturing. They were like <laughs> supervisors. Yeah. All right. So what did you show up to the military as? Like, were you a knucklehead teenager kid? Is <laughs> that a good I? way to describe you? Oh, was I? I yeah. uh, <laughs> actually, so... The exact story is when I was 18 years old, it was in February 1992, had not graduated high school yet. Um, I was hanging out with all of my friends who were still 17 years old because my birthday is pretty early in the year. And we decided to get into some fights in the local mall. And reality hit me when we all got detained by police. It was about six of us young men. And I was the only one who was an adult. Oh, so I got a different treatment. Mm. Right. 
And that opened my eyes that I could no longer do what I was comfortable doing and think that my life is going to turn out differently. You can no longer do it without consequences. There you go. Exactly. You know, yep. so everybody else, parents were called and they were let go and they were detaining me and asking me adult questions and actually taking me downtown. Yeah. And I was like, oh, crap. Did that come up when you enlisted? Absolutely. What happened there? I had to get a waiver to to enlist. It was still an, an active court case when I enlisted at 18 years old. Yeah. Who did, okay, so that's what you went in as. Mm-hmm. And then you had your accident mm-hmm. when you were 24. Who had you started to become at that point? Like, how did, I guess what I'm getting at is what mm-hmm. do you think that the military has done for you that still represents itself in your in your daily life today? That allows you to do the things you do. And I want to get into some. No, of that. no worries. No worries. Um, the, the prominent word that stands out for me with the Marine Corps and Omar Dennis is accountability. Mm. Um, they introduced me to this term that I learned when I was 18 called a self inspection. And I was confused because in my mind, inspection meant someone else, you know, gathering information to determine whether or not you were doing things properly right. or adhering to things properly. And what they taught me at 18 is that you can actually do that for yourself and keep yourself in line and don't wait for somebody else to come and tell you. So the whole self self inspection attitude really took a hold of me. And that happened to me prior to to the accident. But it just lived on forever. QA in myself at all times, whenever necessary. Yeah. So how do you practice accountability in your life now? Like, what what do you do? Because I, I, I love talking about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Are you regimented? What's a morning routine? What's your day look like? How, okay. What's accountability mean now? So for me is waking up with a purpose. I and never. Do do that? So I do that by I, I get up in the morning. This is my routine. I get up in the morning. I thank my higher being for waking me up. The second thing I do is, is I talk to myself and I use phrases like you are Omar spiritually fit or healthy. I switch it up. Mm-hmm. You are Omar mentally fit or healthy. You are emotionally fit or healthy. Are you, so I do something similar, mm-hmm. right? I, I talk to the, I, I love this because <laughs> I, I call them I am statements, right? right? Because I, I guess I say, I am. And then mm. I insert those things, right? Yes, sir. I am successful. I am taken care of, there right? You I, you know, whatever it is, whatever I need to hear or say, uh, that day. It, but, and I'm, I'm looking at myself in the mirror cause I, I like to make eye contact yes, sir. with myself. It sounds mm-hmm. like you're doing it, but you're actually using your name. I am. So your brain is hearing you say your name mm-hmm. in your voice. So in, in my mind, I'm being inspected by the inner Omar. Yeah. The inner Omar is always expecting the out of Omar. Yeah. And, and it's a daily thing and it's constant. Do you write anything down? So yeah. I don't. So um, unfortunately, when I learned to, to do this, it was it used to be writing it down. But as technology has came about, I stopped using <laughs> writing utensils yeah, altogether, even though I don't disagree that that might still be the most effective because I read a lot. Um, but I, w- what I do is sometimes I record myself. Oh, wow. Like okay. sometimes I actually use a voice recorder on your phone or something. Yes, sir. Yep. And you just, you dial that up anytime you I need do. it yeah, throughout the day. Like if, it, if you need to remember I that, do, you, I do it prior to meetings. I do it while I'm driving to work. So, I mean, any, any time where there's a long time, Omar talks to Omar. Where'd you, who taught you that? Where'd you learn that? <laughs> a lot of reading. Like on, honestly, a lot, there, there was no uh, person in my life to give that to me. I wasn't fortunate enough to have a mentor in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was fortunate enough to do was to learn 
to read for self-improvement. Yeah. You know, so um, when I was in the military, if you were, you were reading for self-improvement, it has something to do with your technical capabilities or or your actual leadership style in certain situations. But what I learned to do is start reading for self-improvement just on a daily basis. It, is my attitude right? Am I giving out the right feelings? Am I listening to people? Yeah. Right. Am I giving people a chance? Am I giving myself a chance? Right. Am I talking to myself positively? So I, I just went on a quest. Yeah, I love that I, mm-hmm. because I've done the same thing. I mean, seven years ago, my life changed pretty dramatically. I started making some serious life changes, both physically, mentally, spiritually. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of audible reading. Mm-hmm. So for me, it just that seems to work. Right. I do have actual books, um, you know, <laughs> but I'm in the car a lot. So rather than listening to the radio or something, I, I listen to another chapter or so of books and they're all. You know, I had someone say, like, do you do anything else besides self-improvement? I never look at it like self-improvement, mm-hmm. right? I, I was, I'm learning something new. I'm learning what makes these people that are high performers or that have achieved something. If I've always been told, if you want what they have, do what they do. Mm-hmm. And so I find people that have written books, hopefully from their own personal experience, that have either done something, learned something, met a group of people. Something about what they're doing is something that I want. Yes, sir. So why would I not learn from them? Right. It sounds don't, so simple, doesn't it? Yeah. Don't you can't buy bread from a hardware store. There you like, go. Why would I ask it? You know, like, why would I take advice? That's the thing. I, I found myself at a young age. And I think we're so impressionable. We tend to start taking advice from whoever's talking to us. Yes. Whoever's the loudest. That's very true. Doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean they know what they're talking about or that they have experience with it. In fact, we may be getting more of a representation of the challenges they're dealing with. Right. Their disappointments. Yes, they're the things that they couldn't do. They're saying no one can do. Highly right? accurate. You yes. know, it's like you'll never be able to do that. It's like, well, I, because you didn't do it. Right. Right. And, and it's not it may not even be that you can't. <laughs> Maybe you just didn't. I don't right. know. There's so much I can go down a rabbit hole all day. Well, well I, I, I like to acknowledge something. I do 90 percent of my reading via Audible. Yeah. Okay. And I still call it reading. Yeah. Okay. It still counts. <laughs> I'm still it, reading. Right. It still counts. Okay. So 90 percent of my reading is is through Audible. And I, I honestly believe that's made my life a whole lot uh, easier. Um, I can tell you right now, in the last four books that I've read, here are the titles. You ready? Mm-hmm. Getting Things Done. Okay. Quantum Leadership. Emotional Intelligence. And an Explanation of Stoicism. Yeah. You see where I'm going? Yeah, yeah. So... You're Ryan Holiday fan? Do you know Ryan Holiday? I am. Daily Stoic? I am. Yeah, David Claude, David Allen. I am yeah. I am on it. Yeah. And what what amazes me about that stuff is that that's from so long ago, but it's still applicable every day right here in our lives. It is because the reason it's still applicable because of the lack of self evolution. Right? We we live in today yeah. and we love to react to things. And we love to take the easy way to, I would say, um, for fame and fortune. But if you go back, just like you said, 20, 30 years ago, there were mentors then trying to teach us what to do. Yeah. Jim right? Rohn was around. I you know. know. I'm a Tony Robbins fan and his mentor was Jim Rohn. And right. I, in my, I don't know what I thought when I first heard of Tony Robbins. <laughs> I know what I thought. Right. But I was like, but, uh, like a lot of it. My first reaction was like, that's not real. It's a trick. Mm-hmm. Um, those people are foolish. Mm-hmm. Like they're all being tricked. Yep. He's just selling them a product. 
I, I would never go there because I'm too smart for that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let them trick me. There you go. Right. That and I and I fought it. And I remember going to UPW. I went to UPW in 2017. I look 2014 was a very pivotal pivotal year mm-hmm. for me, and a lot changed during that year. And um, you know, and and I started. I, I that's the year I got sober. I started living a different life. I started working a program of action, a spiritual program of action. I hear you. And that has improved me in in my mental, physical, spiritual, everything, every part of my well-being. And part of that was that I started seeking messages of just outside of myself, really trying to connect with a power greater than myself. That was the whole point. Whatever that is, it doesn't have to be a religious thing or whatever. It can mm-hmm. be just a group of people. But like, mm-hmm. I just felt so disconnected from the world for so long that I wanted to feel something different than that. So I wanted to find those people. And so I thought I found Tony Robbins. And I remember having that cringe feeling like there's no way this would work for me. Like, and, but there were so many things in my life that I took that same approach. There's no way to work for me. Right. It'll work for you. Right. Cause you're good enough. Right. But I'm smart enough to know right. that's not real. I'm somehow just like so <laughs> different from everybody else. Right. And then I show up there and I see people that were begrudgingly there. I wanted to be there. Yep. I wanted to be there. And I, I made every mistake you can possibly think of in order, like in the way of getting there. I mentioned to a friend of mine, I was like, Hey, have you ever heard of Tony Robbins? And he's like, yeah, like I've been doing that for three years. Right. And it blew my mind. And then that was just over breakfast. And I don't really know this guy that well. <laughs> All right. I was just out with some other people. And then like a month later, a friend of his, he gave my number to someone else. They called me and says, Hey, I heard you wanted to go to a Tony Robbins event and you've never been, I've got a ticket, you know, I'm happy to give it to you. And I was like, this is a trick. There's no way. Like, he's like, yeah, it's a $1,400 ticket. I can give it to you for 600. It's your first time. Mm-hmm. This is a part of the program where we give back to someone else that, you know, has never been. And he had a whole spiel. I did the whole thing where I was like self-sabotage, right? I was just going to like kick the can down the road until it no longer existed anymore. And then I could say nothing good ever happens to me. <laughs> right. My favorite yes, thing to do. Of course. But he didn't let me so do easy. that. He's like, look, just. I'll buy it back from you. I'll commit mm-hmm. to you right now that I'll buy it back from you. And if not, here's a group of people. Someone will buy it back. Mm. So it's like, all right. I made it all about the money and all this. I had all the excuses in the world. I said, okay. And I, and I bought it. And then I, I looked on Airbnb that day to find a spot. Now it was Newark, New Jersey. My brain heard oh. New York. Okay. Very different place. Okay. Uh, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Physically different. But yeah. Okay. Prudential center, mm-hmm. uh, Newark, New Jersey. So I looked for Airbnbs. They were, plenty of spaces. I took no action. And then I just waited. And it was a week out from the actual UPW. And I looked back on Airbnb and there were no, nothing left. Right. So here we go. I told you, you got your out. Nothing good ever happens. I mean, I would have went, but you know, there's nowhere to stay. So I call this guy. I'm like, Hey, you gotta buy it back. He's like, give me 24 hours. Some other woman that I don't know called me and said, Hey, I'm going to stay with my sister. She lives in the city and um, you can have my hotel room. And I was like, well, that's not going to work because your name's a, you know, you have a woman's name. When I show up, I'm a guy. They're going to know. He's like, no, no, no. We're going to call and we're going to switch the reservation. She was like, what are you? Right. Like, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Are you insane? <laughs> how this is how far you're going? He's mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and it was just so ingrained in me to do that. Um, but and even down to the drive, I so I went a period of time with no vehicle. Mm. Um, probably the only reason I don't have a DUI. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, um and so I went a period of time without a vehicle, but then I had, I had recently got a vehicle, but I didn't have an easy pass because I didn't need it. Mm-hmm. So I went the night before to get an easy pass, but I never switched ways to avoid tolls. 
So I'm off in like some other place in Pennsylvania, way out of the way, trying to make it to New Jersey. Running late, pressure's on, the guy's calling. He's like, where are you? The line's long. I'm thinking everything's going wrong. But I mean, long look, I get there and within minutes, I, I get there, I find a park, I walk in, I mm-hmm. check in and I'm in the seat and this guy comes walking out. And that four-day immersion experience did a lot for me. Mm. Um, one, it showed me that there's, you know, an entire Prudential Center room full of people that have a like mind that want to get better, right? Now, I'm not saying Tony Robbins is the ultimate answer. Right. From there, I've done right. so many other things. Skydiving. Yes, we did walk on fire. I started silent retreats, um, meditation, praying to mm. just all kinds of, you know, mantra, meditation, like whatever. But I started seeking at that moment, and that really changed a lot for me. That is an amazing story. I mean, seriously, it is. Like, just just the whole self-sabotage is what was sticking with me, because we all do it. Yeah. We all do. I don't know why it's so easy to self-sabotage. Down to the, and it's, it. I really feel like something was looking out for me, and here's why. Like, you heard that story that I just gave Mm -hmm. you, right? Every step of the way, something or someone showed up to help me take, to help take me to that next level or that next place. And even to the point where I got to Newark, I didn't carry cash, right? It's not something I did. All the parking was cash only. Mm. So I had to go find an ATM and I had just for whatever reason, switched my bank to a different bank. Mm -hmm. And I looked around and that's basically all they have in Newark, New Jersey. So it was like (laughs) down to that, right? Right. Right. The ATM was broken. So I had to go into the bank and I'm like, see, the line's going to be too long and I'm never going to make it on time. Wide open. Wide open. <laughs> the one bank that nobody goes to. Right, right. Seven tellers, all of them waving at me. Like We've been waiting on you, yeah. Philip. <laughs> and it's just like, it, you know, um, and I tell that story. Yeah, I haven't really said that on the podcast, but like I, I attribute that to just something outside of myself that, that needed me to be there. And, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm not saying he like that was the end all be all and the right. ultimate answer, but that was just another notch on the, on, on the belt that just kind of got me, got the ball rolling. Yes, right? sir. And from there. You know, reading books like, you know, on stoicism and just kind of understanding that mindset. I'll tell you something else about um, what I found about us as people. So, so when you get so like the, the process and the information we use to get sober Mm -hmm. was written in 1939. It's now 2022 and it's still valid. It's still valid. Everything that they say (laughs) about the human condition and who we are as people and what's going on with Mm -hmm. us and selfish and self-centeredness and how that affects our lives and ego and pride and resentment and how that's the number one offender. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about that, right? Things like resentment when we, that's like, setting myself on fire and hoping that you die from smoke inhalation. There you go. That's, you know that's what I mean? Like, that's, that's, you, what am I really accomplishing? Right. You know what I mean? Like you're hating someone. harming yourself. Right. In RDS. Yeah. What is it like acid? Acid does more harm to the vessel it's contained in than mm-hmm. anything it touches. Yep. You know? Yes, sir. Um, but anyway, this is not about me. I just, no, no, no. But, but, but it is about you. So it's, it's about people like you and people like me who yeah. have been given an opportunity Right. Someone showed us or something showed us that we're not really thinking correctly. Yeah. And that we, there's an opportunity to learn to think differently. Yeah. And some of us grab onto that opportunity and some of us don't. You right. know, and but once you grab onto that opportunity, you can clearly see how the ones who had not grabbed onto it are functioning and how it's harmful. It's self harmful. Just like you said, self self sabotaging. Yeah. And that's why I try to do the best I can to share messages like that, really like yours. Mm -hmm. And just like, 
Because we don't know what we don't know. I didn't know any of this about myself until it was brought to my attention, and I didn't like it when it was happening. So it's not, not. it was not an easy path. <laughs> Who wants to admit, you know, complete defeat or that, you know, what you're doing is wrong? Um, it's way better to think that everybody else is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, if only all of you could change, then I can be happy. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, that's crazy, right? If everybody would just do what I need them to do, then I wouldn't then have any Everything problems. would be good, right? That's I have, I don't know if this is relevant to this part of the conversation, but I have two phrases that I've been using for the last five years and people receive them differently. Here's the first one. No one knows me better than me. And I say that in a lot of conversations because people don't understand that self-awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And self-management is such a powerful tool that you can't really tell me anything I don't already know about myself. I might not say it out loud or I might not convey that in actions or, or you know, or speech, but I already know. What do you do with it, though? Like if you're if it, let's say it's a yeah, it's a criticism, right? Like, right. Because that's, I guess, I don't know if that makes me negative or not, but that, when I heard that. <laughs> it's stoic. That's, it's you know, stoic. that's what I heard, right? Like, because <laughs> yeah, right. my, or I, what, what I felt was concern, like, mm-hmm. what if we don't know what we don't know? So what if, what if I think I know something about myself that I may not? And then it's Great. affecting my relationship with someone else. Like, Great what question. Do, do with you? Right. Like, how do I fix this? Mm-hmm. So, so for me, it's all about recognizing um, any potential flaws, any any potential areas in your life that you need to work on. And you don't have to have those things completely managed. You don't have to have a fix to those, but you have to have self-awareness. And at this age that I'm at, so I'm 48 today. So five years ago was 43. Mm-hmm. My 43 years of experience have been pretty traumatizing to me in a good and a bad way. So I've learned myself completely. And, and, and I say that confidently because my complete learning is based on where where my vision has taken me, my path in life, right? So if I was trying to be a doctor in the next five years, there would be some known unknowns to getting to that point. But I know what I want out of life, and I know where I am in life, and I know where my vision is taking me right now. So no one knows me better than me. The second one I started saying was, I love me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Those those three words make people very uncomfortable because it automatically triggers negative thoughts like we were taught to not love ourselves. Isn't that crazy? That's yes. exactly what I felt. I was like, oh, I can't you see that. that. But you can. I was like, oh, you can. You're allowed to love you. Not only that, you're allowed to love you first because you have to be the healthiest person you can be in every way, shape or form, mentally, physical socially before you can offer help to someone else. Yeah. You got to put your oxygen mask on first when the plane's going down. Mm -hmm. But how do you do that? How do you show that self care, that self love? Like what's, I mean, we talked about your morning routine a little bit, but Mm -hmm. like, is, is there something more like that you're doing or is it just, Mm -hmm. that's how you practice that? I I don't, I don't think there's anything more to it. Um, I can give you some things that I do like I physically do to ensure people understand. So, for instance, I acquired Infinity in August of 2021. Mm -hmm. That same month, we had a corporate meeting where I instituted shared values and alliance-based culture in the company. So what I effectively did (laughs) 
was sit down with my executive leaders and everyone under them and tell them that the most important thing in growing a company culture is emotional intelligence. And that emotional intelligence comes with self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and social management. Which told them, or which I was conveying, you don't have a choice but to think about others while you're in this company. But you also need to think about yourself. Right? You cannot be self-managing your emotions, your your feelings, your actions, but not be socially aware that someone else may be going through the same thing. Mm. So what we started doing in our corporate meetings, these are weekly meetings, is saying at the table, this exact table, what can we do to make you successful this week? It's a team effort. Each and every one of us has an opportunity to figure out how someone else is feeling or what can help them be successful, whether it be from a professional standpoint or personal standpoint. And is that something that you take away from the military or did you develop on your own or? I actually learned it. Yeah, <laughs> I learned it in all my training and reading. Did, mm-hmm. So how old were you? Because that was how, how long ago when you acquired Infinity? Uh, August, August 2021. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, well, that was just that was months ago. Yeah. And then you rebranded it to Sedulous. Is that how we got to Sedulous? Yes, sir. I know. Well, I started Sedulous, um, just my, my own company, a company of one in 2016. And the company of one was based on my technical abilities, more specifically in cybersecurity. Yeah. So I did a lot of work with large contracting companies, whether they Mm -hmm. were commercial or federal, providing cybersecurity services. Yeah. But as I was doing that, I was meeting entrepreneurs and people that thought differently than me. Right. Who actually led people. Yeah. And had large companies. And that, that was part of my professional growth which led to personal growth as well. When did you trans, when did you transition out of the military? In 2010. So, and is that when you started consulting or what, uh, how no, was sir. that process like? I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it was like. The military gave me my, my core values of uh, self-inspection, self-discipline, um, integrity, right? Commitment, meaning sticking with something. And then they also gave me some, professional and technical skills. In my, my case, it was cybersecurity. So I had a cybersecurity certification as I was exiting the military in 2010. And all of the large companies wanted to have me on their staff because of my certification and training. So I started working for, for large companies like Booz Allen, like, you know, uh, General Dynamics and things yeah. of that sort. And as I was working for these companies from 2010 to 2016, I was learning that if you step back and take a look at business, it's all individual based performance. So companies gain reputations by individuals performance and reputations, right? There is no way that Amazon or uh, Google or Oracle or Booz Allen for that matter gets a good reputation unless they have good people. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's the people. people so first. it's people first. So I started drilling down and recognizing that everywhere I went, the company started getting a good reputation. So you were the common denominator. In, I was in the all. common denominator in my four companies prior to me starting my own company. Yeah. And it took me to stop self-sabotaging myself, saying things like, you can't start a company. What do you know about business? So, right. Yeah. 
And so it took me to start to stop saying those negative things to myself to realize the proof is right in front of you. Everywhere you go, your company now has a bigger uh, awareness or uh, the, the perception has changed from negative to positive or become more positive since yeah. you've arrived. And so, all right, I want to what was it hard to transition out of the military or what what how long did it take you to land your job? Like, what was that process like? And then I kind of want to talk to you about like, yeah, like, all right. So you kind of feel like you want to start your own company. There's a process to that, that entrepreneurship. It's scary. Yeah. It may not work. It is very scary. It sounds like those two things may be related. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was not difficult transitioning out of of the military. um, Just because at the time in 2010, my skill set was highly sought sought after. So you had a job before you left. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was, I was while in the military, I was the information system security manager for the Marine Corps Cyber Operations Center. So while I was there, people were asking me, when are you when are you exiting, you know, the Marine yeah. Corps or so whatever. So um it was pretty easy for me just just because of my technical training, my experience right. and my and my my certifications. Um that was the easy part. Yeah, you filled a need and you had like you plugged the hole that I, I, I plugged the hole. Yeah. I so. plugged the hole. Um but the whole starting the business part was the scary part. Yeah, because you are you married and stuff at this time? No, sir, I'm not. So you're single. I'm single. And all right, but you're a salaried employee and you're conditioned to that. You're used to that. I am. I don't don't know if condition is the right word, but you're used to getting a a paycheck from from someone else. Right. Every two weeks. Right. Right. And 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 then there's the whole discussion of benefits and everything tied to that. Mm -hmm. Okay, but now you decide you you want to do something different. Now, mm-hmm. what, what are you doing? So what, what I did was I devised a plan. <clears throat> I devised a, I think it was a three-step, no, it was a four-step plan <laughs> to start my own company while being employed by someone else. So the first step was to show my uh, employer how valuable I was. So, of course, that, that took things like conversations, you know, emails, talk, talking to clients in front of my employer, things, things of that sort. The second thing was to offer them something better than what they had. So what I offer them was training, me training someone else to be just like me. And now you have two of us. That didn't work out too well because, you know, it doesn't sound like a smart idea to do. And and it's hard to get employers to think that way. So I started to um, implement step number three, which was a cliff jumping step. Mm-hmm. which was threatening my employer oh. that I was going to leave. And when I left, I was going to take everything I've learned to somewhere else, more likely their competitor. Now, this is not a recommended step. It's not. Yeah. But I, I mean, <laughs> I bet there's a lot that happened in between step two and step three to it cause was, step three to it, even it happen in the first place. It, it was. It was a, a, a non, uh, the major thing was a, was a non-acknowledgement of my value. Yeah. From their perspective. From the client or customer side, it was evident. From their right. perspective, eh, there's like a hundred of you. Right. Oh, okay. At that All time. right. Thank you. Thank you. I needed to know that's how you perceive me. So now now what I'm going to do, I'm going to take that information and I'm going to use that to help me decide on whether or not I'm going to remain here past tomorrow. Um, when I said that to my current employer, they, they said there's no way you could leave. And I say, why is that? And I got them to acknowledge my value. 
So again, it's not a recommended tactic, but that was that was my tactic. Oh, you mean like there's no way we can let you leave? There you go. Meaning like there you go. We don't want you to. Right. And here's we all don't, the reason. We, we don't want you to leave. Well, why not? You just told me yesterday right, right. there were 100 of me. Right. So I'm easily replaceable, correct? Yeah. That's... That wasn't correct. So, but you, but you didn't stay though. I, I, I did not stay. I left. I got a call two days later asking me to come back under a company, under my own company. Okay. As a contract. <laughs> as, as a contract, as a, as a 1099. Did you propose that? At any point before? No, sir. Why not? Why not just because I wasn't? I, I wasn't confident in myself that that they would see me as a viable partner, as a as a subcontractor to a large company. Yeah, I knew they needed Omar Dennis, the person, the cybersecurity engineer with the experience and the certifications and the clearance, but I didn't know that if they needed my company or not. Yeah. So when they proposed that that I come back as a ten ninety nine, I had to start researching what's a ten ninety nine. Like yeah. tell, tell me what that is. How well, work? right. You have to have at minimum your own LLC. Got it. I'll talk to you in, in about a week. And I went out and I researched and I learned how to start your own business. It's, and it's so much easier <laughs> than it seems like it is. I right? know. It, it feels like a mountain, but you literally can set up an LLC in a half an hour. Right. On the internet. Well, the words start your own business are terrifying words. Yeah. Right. I mean, just if we just sit back and think about it, start your own business. Are, it's terrifying. Yeah. Because we if hear someone says go on his website and pay fifteen dollars for an LLC, you're like, oh, cool, I could do that. It's the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. And we like what was running through my mind when I when I got off of my own was, you know, you hear all the statistics about how many businesses fail yes, sir. within a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I thought it was healthy for me to focus on that. <laughs> right where focus goes, energy flows. I'm literally surrounded by people that are successfully running their own businesses. Mm-hmm. It'd be way better to have conversations with them. There you than go. Read some blog on the internet that tells me how many businesses fail. <laughs> right. That's where I was. I was like, see, <laughs> right. What am I insane? I caught fire at a barbecue. There's no way I can run a business. <laughs> you know, it's like because I I know myself. Well, yes, I know all the mistakes I've ever made. Yep. And and that is where my brain goes. But so you started with that one contract. Mm-hmm. I sure and, did. and then grew it into something. So, big. so on at the um, at the customer site that I was at, I spent four years there at the customer site working for that same employer now as a subcontractor. And because of my performance, I was able to negotiate grabbing some of their full time employees to put under my company and un, under the auspice of I need to learn how to run a business. So. Give me an employee so I can learn about benefits. Give me a second employee so I can learn about, you know, time off and payroll and things like that. So I kept on using that to learn under my current employer. By the time I left that customer, we were a company of five. And when I left, I left by replacing myself. Yeah. So I remained a company of five in their eyes, but I was really a company of six. Right. With me staying at home, yeah. managing the five. Well, you stopped billing yourself out, right? Because you were you actually go. performing some of the work yes, sir. as one of the engineers yes, that the contract was for five employees, five yep. engineers. You mm-hmm. were one of the five. Yep. So uh, I, I was no, no longer receiving my salary. I was yeah. paying my salary out to my five employees and just learning how to be a business owner. Yeah. And did you mm-hmm. have like mentors or cohort or were you a part I of did. any groups? And I stuff did. Like um, the, the owner of, of Infinity, um, whom I introduced you to, yeah, was, that's right, yeah. was was my mentor. He had okay. a company of 65 at the time. So all of my questions, once I had bodies, as I used to call them, once I had full-time employees, 
went went directly to that man. And you bought that company from him? I sure did. How did you how did you do that? Did you have to raise capital? Did you I have did. to so what's that process? So like? um several steps. <laughs> the first step he wasn't expecting. I took him out to lunch one day and I asked one question. What is your exit strategy? And his eyes lit up because he heard the term before, but hadn't thought about it. Mm. Right. So the first step is convincing and or um, finding someone who's ready to make an exit, finding a company owner who's ready to make an exit. The second thing was, what are your um, your certifications and, and representations that allow you to perform this or perform this type of work? But to own this type of business, meaning do you have certain clearances? Do you have certain um, company certifications? Do you have a certain license to, to operate in this space? You were asking those questions of him? Yes. Or you were asking of, of him. Okay. Of him. And he told me all of the representations and certifications he had in order to function as infinity. So I went out and got those same certifications and representations oh. as sedulous. So even though I'm still just a company of five, I got out and got all the same certifications and reps that he currently had. Well, it, like we said before, <laughs> if you want what they have, do what they you, do. You have to do what they do, right? Yeah. So then the fourth step was finding an actual investor, right? So you can either find a private investor, angel investor, something like that, or you could convince a financial institution, a banking institution, that this is a good idea. Fortunately for me, the owners of Infinity had a partnership with the bank for about five, five to 10 years. And they were my advocate when we went and talked to their bank. Mm -hmm. So their bank, after a lot of analysis and going back and forth, agreed that is not such a bad idea to allow Sedulous to buy Infinity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's always, I mean, you know, every entrepreneur, everybody, any anyone who companies get acquired all the time. Right. And there's a lot of VC that acquisitions that are happening. And that's one of the greatest, I think one of the greatest joys for a lot of people, especially in this industry is that you run this company for a while, you build it up to a certain amount and then you exit. Well, right. Right. And let someone mm -hmm. else take it to the next step or yes, do, the, do the next thing. Um, but there's two ways to go about that. You can try to get, like you said, seed money, angel money, VC, or you can finance it through debt. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you finance it through debt, yeah, it's debt. And, um, that has an effect on the value of your company and you do pay interest, but you at least own the whole company. Right. Whereas if mm -hmm. you go the other route, then you, you don't own the whole Right. So this, this is a hundred percent my, my company. Um, the, the fifth part, I, I left something out that's, that's extremely important. And that is convincing your clients and customers mm. <laughs> that handing over everything you've been doing, right. To someone else, to someone else is a great idea. And it's going to be the best decision you've ever made. Were you already working with those customers? Because when you say customers, you mean the agencies, right? The I do. government I do. folks. Were mm -hmm. you already in those agencies as well? I was not. So they're all new to you. They're, they were all they don't new. don't have a relationship with you. Zero. Was that one of the things that made this company attractive is that you weren't already doing business with those? Um, no. Okay. No. I, I, I would say what made the company the most attractive was the um, gaining all of the certifications and representations in such a short amount of time mm -hmm. because the idea behind reaching things like um, capability maturity model one or ISO 9001 2015 is you have to have a long tenure, like a 
have to have a lot of capital and you have to have a long history behind getting those certifications. But that wasn't the case. You just have to have the know-how and have the uh, the willingness to implement something quickly in, in, in order to get it moving. All we ever focus on is leadership development, mindset, personal growth, all the stuff that make you who you are, but you're mm-hmm. also an entrepreneur. So anyone who wants to start their own company, whether it's a government contracting company or not, probably needed to hear that story because there's a there's a process by which you followed. Absolutely. And maybe that process would be the same or you can learn even one one thing from the process you went through and did and apply it to what they're trying to accomplish and maybe that'll be helpful, right? Yes, sir. But so I but here's the thing, I interview a lot of you guys and you're all cybersecurity. A lot of you are cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. And it's terrifying to learn some of the stuff that you guys know. It should be. It really does. Like, it I was so be. comfortable not knowing most of the things that you right. guys have taught me over the last two years. Mm-hmm. And now I can't unlearn that information. I mm-hmm. can't not know. No, sir. So now it's like, it's a burden now. Because I've got a friend of mine, a real good friend of mine. He started working for a company called Halo Privacy. And I probably check in with this guy, you know, once every month, once every couple of months. I really like him. He's, you know, uh, married, got kids. He's, he has what I want, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, but he just, he gives me too much advice sometimes. He gives me, he sends me things he's like, did you know about your, uh, your digital hygiene? But did it scare you <laughs> but at all when you started learning this stuff? Like, did you change anything about your behaviors? Uh, yes. Yeah. So it didn't necessarily scare me. Yeah. Um, it was, it was intriguing. I was excited and I was like a, a young kid in the candy store. I wanted to know what was possible. And I, and I wanted to know, not because I wanted to do it. I wanted to know, well, if we know this, what are we doing about it? That's kind of where I'm at right now too. Right. Like, like, so everybody's telling you what we know. The majority of information that is shared is this is definitely happening. Yeah. But nobody sh- willingly, or at least the, the volume isn't equal to this is what you do about it. I, you know, the, the the only trouble I have is that I'm not educated enough to explain any of it because I don't know what you guys know. Mm-hmm. So I sound like the tin hat guy. I hear you. I sound like I'm walking around with like a collar. <laughs> aliens on my are head, coming. Like just turning off the Wi-Fi every ten seconds. Yep. Like just got to reset it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like you know, no cookies. No. Yep. You know, clear the cache. Like I'm doing the best I can. I mean, I'm you know, I, I ask questions and I learn, but it's just um, it's so crazy. But it's also very comforting to know that people are out there doing stuff about. It. Oh, definitely. And, and, and we are so cyber awareness, um, is a term that is kind of new, um, cybersecurity and cyberspace and all that fun stuff. But cyber awareness, um, is the practice or should be the practice of getting information down to the lowest level. And when I took over this company, they weren't a cyber company. They were a program management and, and, and an acquisitions company. And I had to um, institute cyber awareness here. And it was fun for me to institute it because I wanted to get down to the lowest level and implementing the lowest level fixes is the most productive way to increase your cybersecurity. Right. People think that when you say lowest level, you mean mm-hmm. the simplest? The, yes, sir. The, the simplest things like turning off Wi-Fi when you're not using it. Right. Or 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 d- disallowing uh, discoverable Bluetooth connection. All your uh, data. You can't, like, <laughs> I know everything's dressed up and, like convenience. And, and cyber, right. So so convenience is the cousin of being exploitable. Okay. When it comes to technology, if it's convenient, it's going to get hacked. 
Yeah. Right. And if it's free, you're the product. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, we could go into hours and hours upon things yeah. that, that we think is the technical norm now for our, for our society. That's just building a, a army of cyber hackers. Yeah, just signing up for everything. <laughs> I mean, for, for free. Oh, this is free? Yeah. Yes, I'll, I'll take it's it. Always like for I'll your, do it. <laughs> for your convenience or for your safety. This right. is for your safety. Right. We need you to give us all this information. I was like, mm-hmm. I was just fine without doing that. There, and now there you, you have go. it, so I feel less safe. So where do we go from here? There you go. You know, and it's, um, yeah, or like, I don't, if I need that t-shirt, I'll go get it. Like, you don't, I don't need you to like recommend, stop yeah, doing that. Right. And and now as, as you think about it, they recommend it. Yeah. But that's a pretty nice algorithm that they're using that you help them with. Right. By the way, you know, what, what really scared <laughs> me is that someone broke down the, the, <laughs> oh my they god they gave me the industry term mind milling and i was like oh my god that's an industry like, term that's a real thing <laughs> yeah and all you have to do is break down that word mind and then milling when you wood mill when you go to the wood mill what are they doing they're mm-hmm. shaping something out of wood mm-hmm. so what are they doing to my mind you know mm-hmm. and um but anyway i mean look like again but that's that's also a thing so coming back to fear we were talking about fear a lot oh yes yes that's my you favorite know, word yes like I don't, you know, we don't have antidotes to fear, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think we're ever going to get rid of it. But, you know, with the cybersecurity thing, knowing more and taking those small steps, like you were pointing out, the, mm-hmm. the smallest things you can do, at least you're doing something about it. It's kind of like why we lock our doors. If someone wants to rob you, they're going to bust down that door and come there, in. There you go. But you still lock the door. Right. Because right. if they're just looking for convenience, right, who's got their door open, they're going to move on. You, you see how convenience was so easy to insert into that sentence? Yeah. Because convenience is is that cousin that you don't want yeah if something is easy is not really secure and like we're both old <laughs> enough to where we grew up without it anyway exactly right yes, i think sir. i have a younger brother he's never not had the internet mm-hmm. um he's never not had these things so he doesn't know any difference so for him to be without it is very dramatic agree like it's harder Agreed. right mm-hmm. and i and i i recognize that i'm empathetic towards that mm-hmm. um did you but look so look at where you are now Right. And at your age, did you ever think that you would be here? And like, you know, I have a couple questions that I ask everybody that's on the show. And mm-hmm. like, I, you know, I don't want to miss that with you. I think we covered a lot of it. Okay. But like, did you ever see yourself doing stuff you're doing? Like when you were being not taught, at all. So, like, not at all. No, not at all. Like, I had, I, when I was um, being taught cybersecurity and being taught leadership and being taught to self-inspect, um, I still had a fear of speaking. Yeah. In public speaking, I still had a, a fear, a healthy fear of embarrassment. Um, I had a fear of failing. So it was a lot, a lot of things that I had didn't equate to being an actual entrepreneur or business, business owner. So no, I was lacking all of those things. So, I mean, when did, I mean, what did you think you were going to be then when you were in basic training and you were going through all the stuff or, even when you were transitioning out of the military and you're like, all right, so they offered me this job. What did you think? What did you think you'd end up being? <laughs> you ready for this? Yeah. I just thought I wasn't going to be broke. You just figured I'd always have a job. <laughs> yes, I've sir. got a skill. People are willing to pay for the skill. That so is my it. answer. Yeah. I, I'm going to find a way to never be broke. Yeah. And it was pretty selfish. It was. I was only concerned about not being employed. I've watched yeah. people in my life join the military and exit the military and go right back to where, where they came from, whatever position in life they were at, they just went back directly to it. 
for me, it was all about learning something in the military that I could take out of the military to use as a skill set. And I just happened to fall into cybersecurity. I mean, for God's sake, I joined the Marine Corps as a diesel mechanic. Yeah. Right. That's how I lost a finger. Oh, in a diesel, right? In an an engine fixing accident. Yeah. My dad, (laughs) my dad's a front end alignment mechanic. He's got a broken finger. (laughs) There you go. Um, And somehow I was able to not somehow because I know how when I had to do that self inspection and make that decision on. Are you going to leave the military because of this injury or are you going to stay and attempt to do everything we ask you to do? Yeah. And I made that decision. I changed my job specialty on year six. The accident was year four. Year six, I changed my job specialty in the Marine Corps from diesel mechanic to computer programming. Where you need to use your fingers. Where you need to use your fingers. And you're missing a piece of wood. Yes, sir. It's also so, your trigger finger. Are so you right-handed? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to think about what I'm purposely doing now. Yeah. So now I go from needing my whole hand to explicitly needing fingers. Yeah. Right. If you knew me back in 2000, no, not 2000, in 1996, all of my emails were missing Y's and T's. Oh, because of, that's where they Yes. Going. And I had to learn to yeah. use my fingers with the keyboards. The keyboards weren't going to change for me. Right. And I had to learn to use my fingers right. with the keyboards, right? And I guess infantry, would infantry not be an option for you anymore because you can't? Well, it, it, it would have been. But I'm also going to tell you a true story. My shooting got better after I lost my finger. I went, I went from a marksman shooter, which is the lowest level, to an expert. Because I had to now focus on the other things surrounding the fingers. The breathing. The mental state you're in. Are you still pulling with the same finger? I'm still pulling with the same finger today. Today. So what we're taught is you need equal pressure on both sides to pull the trigger straight back. Right. What we're not taught is that 90% of that is mental. Mm. So you could still pull the trigger and straight back. No other choice. There you go. Yeah. So I became an expert shooter. I became a computer programmer, which changed into a database administrator a network administrator, a network security technician to cybersecurity. Yeah. To now owning a company. To now owning a cybersecurity firm. Yes, sir. Well, you know, the question I always ask everybody is about a jumping off point. I think Mm -hmm. we might have covered it. I think so. Yeah. I think so. so, Like, you know, but I'll just (laughs) tell you. physical trauma. Yeah. I mean, the way I describe it is, you know, a moment in time where you can no longer continue doing what you're doing, but you're uncertain of what to do next. Mm -hmm. And some people often think of a moment in time where, it was very difficult for them, right? It could have been physically painful, emotionally painful, or both. And But now they look back and they're incredibly grateful for it because had that not happened, they wouldn't have the things they have in their life, the relationships, the people, the knowledge, the mm-hmm. career, the family, the whatever, right? And I mean, is that, I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, no, no. But like, that, that is, that is uh, accurate. Yeah. Um, the, the fact that I had this trauma happen to me at the age of 22 um, and I was, physically more than 3,500 miles away from my family. Mm-hmm. I was stationed in Arizona and I was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. So it happened to me where no one can get to me. Right. And I was forced to handle it on my own. And I had no idea that the inner Omar was stronger than I thought he was at, at the time. Yeah. So the jumping off point was actually depending on inner Omar to lead me into greater things. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. I got a lot of that out of out of our conversation now, and I think we went. I don't know how I'm going to pick like a 
you know, the highlights or the topics of this conversation. Um, I'll figure it out, but you know, it's been great. I mean, I, it's been an honor for me, Philip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I love talking about this, you know? Yeah. I mean, have you, are you doing stuff outside of work, like coaching anybody or yeah. kids, well, teens? So, yeah. Like so, um, I have two adult men, children. Okay. Um, my oldest son is 26 years old. He's a physical therapist technician. And I just convinced him to apply to a doctorate of physical therapy program. So I'm mentoring him. Okay. I also have a 20 year old who's um, currently attending George Mason University right now oh. on biomed. Okay. In so, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. So I, I, I do mentoring with those guys, but I don't have anything else as far as mentoring that I'm doing. I'm actively. I, however, I will tell you this confidently. I am involved in five different 501Cs. Okay. And my involvement includes training, teaching, summer camp programs, things of things of that sort that, that are not necessarily tied to cybersecurity and, yeah. and, and what I do. Yeah. Just being a positive, you know, influence on young men and women. That's a common thread that I've found from a lot of people mm-hmm. in a leadership position, period. Um, but also a lot of the former militaries that I it's just like they're still of service uh mm-hmm. in their communities as they come out, um, in one way or another. Um but yeah, I'd I'd love to have you as a cadre and and introduce you to people transitioning out of the military. Maybe they oh. can just talk to you about your experience of what it was yes, like. Yes, please. Finding a job, and then maybe they're entrepreneurial. Maybe they want to figure stuff out, and maybe you can help them. So I, I am absolutely open to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be great. Open and willing. Well, thanks mm-hmm. so much for joining us, and I, I really appreciate being here and, and chatting with you. Thank you for having me, Philip. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to DC Local Leaders. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on LinkedIn and YouTube by searching DC Local Leaders, on Instagram at DC Local Leaders, or our website, dclocalleaders.com. You can find the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or wherever you find great podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.